Welcome to First State Insights, a podcast presented by the University of Delaware's Institute for Public Administration. My name is Sean O'Neill, and I'm a staff member at IPA. I'll be your host for this episode. Thanks for listening. On today's episode, I'm joined by Jay White, founder and president of Apex Realty Advisory, which is located in North Wilmington, just off Route 202. Jay's business focuses on providing comprehensive valuation analysis and sound competent advice to help clients make informed real estate decisions. Apex Realty provides expert real estate services throughout Delaware and the Mid-Atlantic region with a wide variety of clients, including the University of Delaware and some of the largest developers in the region. Jay is widely recognized as one of the top minds in real estate in the Delaware Valley. With over 25 years of commercial, industrial, and institutional real estate valuation and advisory experience, Jay is very active in the local real estate market and is currently president of the Delaware Chapter Appraisal Institute and a board member of the Commercial Industrial Realty Council in Wilmington. Jay is also a member of the Urban Lands Institute and served as a co-chair of the ULI Delaware Council and brought me on as co-chair of the Delaware Council as well. Let's get to the conversation. So thanks, Jay. Thanks for being here. Good to see you again. Thank you, Sean. Good to see you. Well, to start, if, if you could just tell us a little bit about you uh, and your business and some brief thoughts on uh, where development is trending in general in Delaware at the moment. Yeah, so my background is uh, I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area. And after I went to the Learner Business School, University of Delaware, I decided to, you know, plant myself here and sort of stayed in the area in the Delaware Valley. And I currently reside in Wilmington. I'm happy to be here. It's really interesting. I think the, um, as we were speaking, how the COVID-19 has impacted real estate. It's, you know, the, obviously the health crisis of 2020 was uh, quite a conundrum more akin to a national disaster, black swan event. And those uh, government mandated closures obviously spilled down and put pressures on certain tenants. And because of that, people had a perception there would be distress in the marketplace. It's impacted some, luckily in Delaware, new construction was considered essential business. So construction continued during economic downturn but there were supply chain issues. So those railings you tried to get for your new apartment project were coming in. And so you had a lot of construction delays in 2020 across the state. And you know the, the two major items that are really getting built are multifamily and industrial. And then uh, retail and hospitality lodging are a little bit of a quagmire. And offices wait to be seen when people return to their offices, when mm-hmm. businesses reopen. Uh, you know, and you touched on that. One of the things that really stood out to me doing some research and interviews on this topic recently uh, has been this sort of expectation of uh, an impending downturn or, you know, jokingly, I'd, I'd refer to it as impending doom in the office market. So can you speak a little bit to that topic and, you know, what we should be thinking about you know, potentially doing with all this excess office space, you know, if, if we have this uh, sort of exodus and then, you know, what will the impact be in the short to medium term in Delaware? Yeah, that's a great question. So here's my take on it. 
believe it or not, most commercial real estate sectors, the way I look at it, are pretty resilient. Most lenders and landlords have kicked the proverbial can down the road. The wait and see game is how major companies, you know, which remain standing, right? There's some companies that may just go out of business, uh, declare bankruptcy. And obviously, some of those will result in swelling sublet office space. We already talked about shorter terms because of uncertainty. But if you take a longer term view on it, things always tend to revert back to the mean. So, and you, you, you know, your proverbial heck night cliched phrase is, you know, things return to the mean, time dulls all memories. Uh, will we get back to normal? Of course, we're going to get back to normal as everybody starts getting their jabs in their arms. I think in the short term, you're going to have those increases of sublet space. So I think the short term, there'll be some pain as it relates to decreases in absorption, net absorption. There'll be increases of sublet space and the net effect of rent will, will be downward pressures on, on those rents. And really, it's the best of class will survive, Sean. Mm-hmm. So, so if you're a class A building that has parking, has good amenities, uh, how do people, the real question is how people are going to reuse their space? Because mm-hmm. before it was a density model where you sort of threw everybody in the habit trail. Well, that's not going to, that's not going to work necessarily. Um, people may be adverse to it. So maybe you need more space. But, but one of my big things that I keep pushing, I call it the five C's of office, why it's necessary. And that's collaboration. That's a sense of culture. It, it promotes creativity. You have camaraderie. We're all, we're all a bit zoomed out. We're a little bit in a fog and a haze. But when you have those kind of things, you have more increased employee satisfaction and really increased productivity. People are probably dying to go buy new pants and new clothing <laughs> and, and, and get back into the game, if you, if you know what I mean. So Everybody's sort of adjusted to working remotely. I think a lot of us are sick of Zoom. But there are also a lot of things that are good about being able to work from home. Are you saying that you don't think that uh, that impact will be quite as significant as some are expecting? Yeah, and probably for a few reasons. So one is that desire for people to be back with their coworkers yeah. by the coffee pot. And I think what you're talking about as far as employees wanting flexibility, it varies across demographics. It really does. So, you know, some of the older workers, they really desire the office. They're used to it. They want to sit in their captain, captain's chair and it's used, you know, be the Captain Kirk of their, their environment and they're used to it. And so they've been thrown off balance by this past year. Others that are um, more millennial uh, really like the flexibility. And I'll, I'll tell you why. It's really interesting because I've been speaking to a lot of people over the past year. They grew up and they were latchkey kids and they, their mom had two jobs. So they never really, you know, the oldest would take be home right after school to take care of her younger brother and cook dinner. And there was really not a lot of family time. And so now they rejoice in the opportunity to have that flexibility now, not be tied down to an office, not being, you know, bound to a chair and a desk. 
And I found that fascinating. But I think at the end of the day, people like flexibility. Uh, you may have a hub and spoke impact where you have, you know, a, a main office downtown and suburban. You're going to have you know, most people out in the suburbs where people are driving their chariots and parking you know, for free in the downtown environment. The downtown, you're going to see a lot of ripple effects across the real estate taxes, the uh, wage taxes, the parking taxes. You're, you're going to see it in Delaware. You're going to see it in Philadelphia. But I think, I think people do want to get back to their offices. They do want to see their coworkers. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And, uh, you know, I, I know I miss being in the office. So I, I, I do, you know, look forward to potentially having the flexibility to, to be, work at home a few days a week, too, in the future. Just, no, but you're right on the, the remote, the remote working has a potential to really sh- reshape the office market landscape mm-hmm. and everybody's sort of taking the, the wait and see approach. Uh, Cause there's going to be more use of technology. I know some, some of my real estate clients, you know, immediately pivoted back a year ago when this pandemic hit us and immediately got laptops off to everybody, yeah. password, improve their server. So technology is important. It's also important, you know, from a, from an air handling perspective and a, and, a, and a safety perspective. The other two topics that have kind of jumped out to me recently, you know, were changes to both the housing market and the future of retail. I think, you know, most people have some knowledge of the strong growth in the industrial market, uh, especially in Delaware. There have been a lot of big deals recently, so I don't want to ignore that or downplay it. You know, to me, at least the changes to residential and retail really have the potential to drastically change what the suburbs look like um, and how we kind of live our day to day lives. You know, single family home ownership and retail are kind of staples of suburbs. And um, if those dynamics change even slightly through, you know, things like a lack of affordability or more multifamily housing and then, you know, emptier or different retail centers. You know, it does, even if it's a relatively minor change, it still changes our, our built environment and kind of our day-to-day lives pretty significantly. So how do you see those two changes relating to uh, the future here in Delaware? Well, clearly the housing marketplace has been uh, a shining star, if you will, through this mm-hmm. health crisis this past year. And it was something that people would have never thought. And of course, there was a pause because the government put uh, constraints on people's movements, and then brokers and realtors had to pivot on trying to how to figure out how can we do this safely, following CDC guidelines to market a house. And again, people turn to technology. People turn to technology to you know go on the web and download on their walkie-talkie how to look at a house, how to put a bid in on a house. And it was only fostered by three things. One was people leaving denser environments, urban environments, looking for the suburbs, being open. It was fostered by low interest rate environment. Although rates of the past year have creeped up, the 10-year treasury is up, you know, about 100 basis points, but it's still very affordable. 30-year money is for The real issue is for the housing marketplace is the I word, inventory. There's just not enough inventory. And it's spilling over finally, how much to the chagrin of merchant home builders is trying to buy land, Mm -hmm. trying to buy land at an affordable price 
and secure a pipeline of development to continue to supply the market with inventory. So that's on the for sale side, but there's also a huge amount of multifamily growth in the state. Uh, let me give you some examples. So I pulled the stats from CoStar and multifamily units in the state total about 65,000 units mm-hmm. across all three counties. As of this quarter, we're 97% occupied. Wow. And over yeah. the past 10 years, that's ranged from 93 to 97% the past 10 years. And rent growth, rent, rent right now, the asking rents, the, the average asking rent across those 65,000 units is 1,190 per month, which is up 5.3% over the past 12 months. Yeah. So if you take the position of facts and figures really tell the story, that really tells a story from a occupancy perspective and a rent growth perspective. So what that translates into, much like the for sale housing marketplace, is we need to have more units in the pipeline. So Dr. Zandi, I think, said it best for Moody's Analytics. He classified 2010 to 2020 as the renter years, where people either people coming out of school, young professionals, they couldn't underwrite to buy a house, they rented. Or renters by choice because they were, you know, um, uh, divorcees or single families without kids, dual income, no kids. They didn't want to be hassled by running to Home Depot, so you would rent. He classified the years 2020 to 2030 as the years for suburban housing growth. But the real issue there is going to be supplying the inventory. And it's, as you know, uh, the drivers for that, the fundamental growth of that industry are household formations, which is going to mean in, in migration which we are getting in Sussex County from people retiring from high, you know, you're a dentist, 65-year-old dentist in Bethesda, Maryland, decide to retire early. You're going to move to a low income or low tax rate state, Delaware, and get your house exactly the way you want it. And your hips aren't all that good. So you're going to get a, a first floor master bath and bedroom. But, but facts and figures from the, from the multifamily are interesting. So CoStar says there's 1,165 units under construction as of the current quarter throughout the state. So that works out to, if I run the calculations really quickly, 65,206 is the number, and you're putting 1,165 in. So you're only increasing it by roughly 1.8%, 2%. You're not creating a really swollen pickle of overbuilding. And... You've got, of those units, there's a bunch in the pipeline, Sean, that we track. In Wilmington, the city of Wilmington, there's about 500 units that are in the pipeline, either construction or proposed. And in Sussex County, it's even bigger. It's 2,000 units. You got 2,500 units on those bookends between the city of Wilmington and Sussex County that are in the pipeline to being, being constructed. And if you're building out to stabilize occupancy right currently, we're seeing absorption being tremendous. Mm-hmm. I keep asking the questions, who are these renters? Where are they coming from? And they're, they're giving, um, they're, they're changing up amenities. They're changing up unit sizes. 
you know, there's, there's, there's dog runs in an urban environment. People are allowing pets. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of changes in a multifamily marketplace. And this single family is just, you got to feed the machine with the land. Land is a finite resource, as we all know, and the entitlement process isn't that easy. And so when uh, infrastructure costs start becoming expensive, it, it gets bled through. The land goes up, the infrastructure costs go up, the finished price of the housing goes up, uh-huh. and affordability becomes a quagmire. Those are the things that we're seeing in the, in, the, in the housing marketplace. I think your other question dealt with the retail marketplace. Yeah. And again, in the retail marketplace, if I looked at CoStar currently, this is a very interesting stat. There's 54.5 million square feet in the state of Delaware that CoStar tracks for retail. So that's 55 square feet, roughly, for every man, woman, and child. Yeah, right. If you ask me, that's probably too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. too, much before, and, too much before these recent trends even, right? I mean... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Clearly, clearly, COVID uh, has only induced or spurned these these trends to, to bubble them right up to the top. So we're probably overbuilt when it comes time for retail. And so what I'm seeing in there, and it makes sense too, because even though the past 10 years, the overall marketplace has has ranged from a vacancy rate of 4.7 to 5.7. And that's really a hallmark of Delaware that there's really no large swings in terms of vacancy across those various property types over the past 10 years. Mm-hmm. But the past 12 months absorption for retail is minus 141,000. Wow. And rents wow. are about flat to 1% asking growth. So what's going to happen? So if you ask me, my opinion is you're going to have retenanting issues of vacant space and probably adaptive reuse of others where you have a former Denny's that shut down and it's going to get knocked down and redeveloped in Newark into a double drive through Popeye's. I think that the death knell has been um, hammered for things like the Dover mall, no offense to Dover mall or Concord mall, but their time has come to be demauled and built into something more sort of designing for the future, more green or resilient building and more flexible for tenants. So you're definitely going to see adaptive reuse on some of these retail assets and also knockdowns because uh, that makes sense. You can do a property conversion, repositioning, but that's challenging because you have to have a very good market or financial analysis to manage the, uh, the costs, the time and risks associated with the conversion. But the good news is that this economic recovery, this snapback, we have positive tailwinds behind us to support that. Uh, the, the government throwing trillions of dollars of stimulus, uh, the, the eviction moratoriums, we didn't talk about that for uh, multifamily. They're still in place and they're going through the summer. And that's putting a lot of consternation on some of the BC property type, multifamily properties that are having some rent collection issues because people haven't been paying and they can't be evicted. And even when the gates do open up and the courts do open up, they're going to be backlogged. So there's some there's some definitely some rent stresses across the multifamily as it relates to the eviction moratorium, but also rent stresses as we slowly unwind and get back to business for the retail. 
because landlords had to get rent relief, rent deferrals, loan modifications. And so they've hopefully those businesses snap back and they don't tap out. But there's definitely going to be some need for adaptive reuse uh, and conversions of some of those excess properties at 55 square feet per women, woman, ch- uh, man, and child in the state of Delaware were clearly overbuilt. That's all uh, interesting stuff to think about. And as I mentioned, the uh, industrial side, again, not to ignore it, but um, we know it's all been booming and, and um, that's been a big uh, positive story in Delaware as well. You know, yeah, if, uh, if I could chirp in on that one, that's interesting sure. too. Because I said that Delaware has sort of avoided large swings. Over the past 10 years, the state of Delaware has had the vacancy rate range from 9.7 to 16.1. That's a pretty wide swing, but currently, currently it sits at 5.9%. And asking rents are 690 a square foot, and they're up 8% over the past year. And absorption, so the total inventory is of industrial buildings, again, per co-star, and the state is 52.2 million square feet of, of industrial classified assets operating at 5.9% vacancy rate in the past 12 months, you've had positive 1.3 million square feet of absorption. It's a really eyebrows, a real eyebrow raiser because you've got compression. It's sort of a perfect storm because you've got a compression in the vacancy. You have increase in rents, an increase in demand in terms of net absorption, and it's putting massive pressure on underlying land values right. for yeah. industrial. And we, we, we're aware of probably a half dozen different deals that are going on throughout the state for land from you know, 10 acres to 2,000 acres. I have a few hot topics I think I want to talk about. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, go ahead. I think hot issues in the state of Delaware are going to be, you know, in no particular order, is uh, we already touched upon um, adaptive reuse. It's going to be a, uh, a sort of a major uh, factor going forward. And I'll give you three examples here in Newcastle County. Obviously, uh, one is the former GM Boxwood plant, which got redeveloped into a Amazon Fulfillment Center. Two is the former AstraZeneca headquarters, which uh, Deladon's turned into Avenue North mm-hmm. and is building new space there and leasing up office. And also Pedneros development of the Barley Mill site, which was a former DuPont office, which has been knocked down and they're building up a mixed-use development. Two is demographics. You're going to have more in-migration. I think you may have less new births in the state, which is going to impact schools in a particular manner, which may not be uh, suitable for you know keeping too many schools open. You're also going to have the return to the office. And what's that mean in terms of company space uses. That's going to be something to follow. We talked about industrial multifamily being hot and there's a good big construction pipeline for each of those. I think the major growth needs to be in biotech, life sciences. And I think we can't count out technology, artificial intelligence, machine learning, automated cars, all those kind of things are going to have a profound impact on you know our economy and the way we use real estate on a looking forward basis there's no two ways about it yeah 
lot to think about there. But, you know, I just want to thank you again, Jay. Really appreciate your time and expertise here today. It's been fun. So thank you. Okay, great, Jerome. Thanks again. For more information on Jay White and Apex Realty, please visit their website at apexrealtyadvisory.com. And for more information on IPA, please visit ipa.udel.edu. Thanks for listening to this episode of First Aid Insights. Subscribe to our podcast so that you'll never miss an episode.